Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seat Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. What is up, Hawkeye fans and Cyclone fans and Big Ten fans, <laughs> Iowans everywhere. Uh, so glad to have you with us for episode four of Legends and Listener Listeners here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, and I have been covering the Hawkeyes for quite a long time. I, I remember being in the press box in 1998 when the Cyclones uh, broke the big mm-hmm. long streak. Um, against Hayden Fry's uh, final team. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Channel Seed Studios. And uh, to dive into Cyhawk Week, it is here. Uh, such a meaningful and passionate week for our state. Scott Docterman, I'm, I'm happy to be teaming up with you uh, from The Athletic. Uh, Scott, are you ready for uh, former president motorcades and this biannual Cyhawk Circus in Ames? Am I ready for it? I don't know if I'm ever ready for it. When you get uh, the politics and uh, the Cyhawk together, it can be an explosive <laughs> combination. But uh, I, I am interested. Were you with uh, Voice of the Hawkeyes or the Cedar Rapids Gazette? At uh, Oh, man. Let's see. I would have been – I started at the Gazette in 98, so I think I was uh, – yeah, I started. Yeah, I would have been with the Gazette. That would have been one of my first games with the Gazette in 98. So that's crazy to think about <laughs> uh, with Jim Ecker and Mike Halas. Uh, I probably wrote the sidebar. I have no idea what I wrote, but it, I bet it had to do with uh, Darren Davis or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I was the same way. I was with the Muscatine Journal starting year two. And I remember going to the, the pink locker room area and Darren Davis mm-hmm. having an outstanding game that day and and really uh Kind of like 1995 with Northwestern, I think 1998 with Iowa State really ushered in a new era and it ushered in a new era of this rivalry. You know, now we're this is the 25th edition since counting that game as kind of the new era. And I think Iowa's was up, what, 13 to 11 under that uh, yep. uh, reign. So here we are. Um there's always some drama associated with this series. Every year there's something new. And I think here we are this week, uh, a lot of different topics to discuss. Legends and Listeners is brought to you every Thursday by Heartland Flags and Gifts. If you go to the website, heartlandflags.com, you can find over 50 styles of Hawkeye flags alone. 
I saw one today uh, that said, Go Hawks beat state with the Tiger Hawk logo. Very apropos for this week. New customers get 5% off their first order. Heartland Flags and Gifts provides free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Constantly is firing up new products and offers nearly every team, every sport, and every flag. Visit our friends online, heartlandflags.com, or in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. Scott, you mentioned kind of the drama, uh, the passion, the uh, contentious nature of this rivalry. Uh, we were going to dig in to the X's and O's of this Cyhawk game for sure a little bit later in our entree portion of the broadcast. But let's talk about the rivalry itself. So much drama over the years. What kind of sticks out to you? You're, you're great at this history stuff. I, I know you've written about it a lot. So the floor is yours. What, what are some of the highlights that we can kind of pluck uh, to kind of emphasize the rivalry nature of this game? You know, a lot of this comes off the field, uh, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you look back four years ago with the band situation that forced this to linger <laughs> way beyond where we wanted it to. Uh, uh, yeah. What um, a night. Yeah. Yes. Ten years ago, we had somebody break into the Iowa locker room and steal wallets and iPhones and Iowa State paid for you know, LeVar Woods was one of them. And, you know, there were several yeah. taken. And so, and it turned out to be an Iowa fan who left the country. And uh, so just some craziness there. I think we look back at um, going all the way back to the, really the beginning of the Jamie Pollard, Gary Barta era. And, you know, and the reason why there was this clause in this uh, series of 20% of the home gate went to the visitor it started all the way back in the very beginning of the reunite, you know, the reignition of this rivalry in the seventies, because Iowa State had too small of a, uh, a stadium to actually have this game at that time. So uh, Iowa gave Iowa State twenty percent, and it's just something that kind of grandfathered in, even with uh, all of the, uh, you know, the once the game started going back and forth, and it always benefited Iowa State because it had a smaller stadium. Um, and then also charged fewer, uh, less money for, for their tickets. Well, right. when the first one with in, in 2007, Iowa State, I remember, charged 93 bucks a ticket for Iowa fans. And that became an, an issue right away um, with Iowa because there was the, um, the, the billboard in Cedar Rapids on 380. Uh, it's a Cyclone State after the 2005 game. And then, and then 93 bucks a ticket. And then Iowa State was – and Iowa would give Iowa State, you know, 20% of its gate from that game. Iowa State would give it 20% with, with uh, Jamie Pollard, 20% of an average home gate. And so Iowa and Nebraska and those games would always give 55000 roughly at Jack Trice. Uh, then there was the Colorados and the Missouris and the Ball States of the world that were like in the 30s at that point, not anymore, of course. And so Iowa shut down the, there was a correspondence between Bruce Vanderveld and, and uh, Bo, uh, Bo, Bob Bowlesby about extending the series to 2020. Turns out Iowa said, no, that was just correspondence. That wasn't a real contract. And so that got into a big fat spite between the two. And then, of course, they ended up uh, settling kind of in the middle after the 2012 game. Uh, no more 20%. They extended the series, and here we are through 2027, uh, Cyhawk. But all those moments, and then there are a ton more on the field, Chad. We could always discuss if we want to, but 
Uh, what kind of sticks out for you with this uh, series, both on the field and off the field? A lot sticks out to me. You did a great job recapping that, Scott. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, sellout crowds, uh, yeah. Iowa just announced it's sold out for the, the home schedule for the 2023 season. So uh, I guess all the angst about uh, run blocking last week did not uh, deter ticket sales. Uh, that's the second straight season that has happened. So, uh, but anyway, getting to, you know, the Iowa state rivalry, certainly for me, it's, uh, you know, I live in a town where it's basically 50, 50. Uh, so we're talking off field stuff, neighborhoods, you know, people always want to talk about it and, which is cool. I mean, it's like, what do you think about the game? And it's just the fact that it's just been so back and forth, you know, the last 25 years, as you said, 13 and 11. Now Iowa, you know, has one, I guess what 13. Oh gosh. Ference is like 13 and six, right. Since the, Oh, and four start, I believe against Iowa state, yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that's right. Uh, so Iowa's gotten a little bit of the upper hand here, but uh, to me, uh, I, I, I just like, I, I feel like these games have just been so good. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. I mean, the 2019 game, 1817, <laughs> you know, the top 10 matchup two years ago on all these are names, you know, comes down to, you know, Iowa just making Brock Purdy have a bad day and scoring a scoop and score on Jack Campbell and, you know, gosh, you think about the names in that game, Brees Hall fumbling, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jack Campbell scooping and scoring. These are high-level NFL players, presumably. Brock, Brock Purdy, like I said, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, go back to I, – I think back to 2015, honestly. Like, that was such a pivotal moment in this, you know, resurgence, I guess, of the Ferentz era. It was 17-17 it was in the fourth quarter, and Desmond King – you know, they threw him back at punt returns that year, uncorks a big uh, kind of crucial punt return, sets Iowa up to kind of re, you know, tilt the field that one direction. And mm -hmm. I remember being down on the field with Rick Brown with two minutes to go and C.J. Beathard rolling left and finding Riley McCarron, little Riley McCarron, you know, from Dubuque, mm -hmm. Iowa, in the corner of that end zone over there. And, you know, the Hawks win that game. That didn't end up being a very good Iowa State team, but it was a tense game. Iowa mm -hmm. goes on to be 12-0 and 0 and, uh, you know, kind of wrote some history there. So I feel like this game, Scott, and I wrote this this week, just is a springboard when Iowa has good seasons. I mean, think about 15, think yeah. about 19, think about 21, which ended up being a pretty special season most of the way, um, yeah. you know. And even 17 to an extent. I mean, Iowa finally got over the hump with a bowl win that year. Uh, so that's why, I, that's where I look to in terms of this rivalry. So anyway, big game for both teams. No question. And, you know, the last five that Iowa state has won in this series have come down to a field goal or less. And last year being among them, um, Iowa misses a field goal in the rain at the end to, to send it to overtime. You think back to 2014 where Iowa state had a, a, not a very good team and Iowa had one of more disappointing teams came down to the end, um, the 9-6 game in 2012. And then um, in 2011, the last time Iowa State won in Ames against Iowa, what, triple overtime, 44-41. So it was the juxtaposition of 44-41 one year in overtime, the 9-6 the next year in Iowa City. And then, uh, you know, I remember the Shaggy game, you know, in, in 2007, you know, where kicks a field goal at the very end, and I think it was 15-13. So yep, it was. All, all of these games, um, they're very, very close when Iowa State wins, going back all the way to, uh, you know, 05, which was a kind of a dominant effort in Ames, to Iowa, 
you know, winning some close ones, also winning some big ones, um, decisive ones. But I, I'd say re- recently they've all been very close, hot, contested games. And I think that's what we're we're going to see on Saturday, uh, you know, where I think the, the games, the teams have real similar blueprints. It's just to me how how do you mask your deficiencies and how you enhance your strengths is really going to determine the outcome of this game. Good stuff there. Uh, next on trade or appetizer topic, I should say, is uh, how does Iowa handle this quarterback situation with Cade McNamara? I mean, it, it definitely has elevated in its concern. I remember talking with you at Kinnick before the game, you know, just talking about, you know, if, if Cade has some kind of re-injury, this could be a really long season. And I think we saw that. I mean, it, you know, it, it is a considerable drop off from QB1 to QB2 at this point in time. Uh, Cade will start on Saturday in Ames, but it's very murky how much he is able to do, Scott. Uh, last night on his radio show, Kirk did say he'll be out there. Uh, he's also said it's going to be week to week. He did offer a little encouragement. He said this week's gone well so far. So, but he did acknowledge it was a setback uh, last uh, Saturday against Utah State in the game. So, how does Iowa handle this, Scott? I mean, I I feel like here, here's what I'll pose to you: Whatever happens Saturday, do you shut him down? Do you shut him down for a week, week or two to to get ready for Penn State? just knowing you got to set yourself up for the rest of the season, or is that too short-sighted? It, it's a, it really depends on the severity of the injury. And when you're talking about a muscle, this is why we don't, you, you can't make predictions. You can't, you know, uh, say, you know, well, probable, questionable, it's questionable. And, and that's what he went out and played, but you could see a, a severely limited playbook. Uh, they were in shotgun most of the time, which, which you know, you, you don't have to drive with your legs when you're dropping back. They had almost no, I mean, it was like, what, one out of 10 plays were some sort of a, a play action because when you're in shotgun, you don't have a lot of play action. Uh, no rollouts, no bootlegs, no quarterback sneak when it was fourth and one, and that's usually what they do. So that really limits your playbook. Now, you know, as Kirk said on Saturday, and I agree with him, is you, you make up for that with experience. And I think that's going to be impactful. I think you need him out there on Saturday. But you've got to be careful because it is a long season and as important as the Cyhawk is to the fans and to the players. And I'm not saying you sacrifice this game, but it's not as important as a Big Ten game in the big scheme of things because when you get a Big Ten championship, if you get a Big Ten championship, that matters more or divisional title matters more than an individual game, any individual game during the season, let alone a non-conference one. So I think you got to be very, very careful here. Um, I would still play him if he's capable of playing him, but I would be very careful. Chad, what's kind of your impression? Well, I'm with you. Uh, Cade is a competitor. He's not going to want to sit out this, this Cyhawk game. He came to Iowa to play. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna tough it out as long as they let him, and I I think that was what the case was last week too. And frankly, you know I think they kind of needed him last week to to play and win that game. Utah State gave it a good you know gave it a good run, and and Deacon Hill just not ready for prime time yet 
frankly. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he has to take some snaps out there at Jack Trice on Saturday. But uh, I would be inclined to. I mean, Kirk. I feel like Kirk's setting the stage just a little bit here, Scott. Like, you know, it's week to week. We'll see how it goes. I feel like. I feel like there's an opening if they can get by this week or wh- whatever happens this week. Maybe it looks bad this week, and they're like, "We got to shut him down for two weeks and see what he can do against Penn State." I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would take the big picture approach. I think they can w- beat Western Michigan with Deacon Hill. Maybe even Joe Labus. Maybe he's back to speed by then. Uh, you're supposed to get Bo Stevens back next week as well on the offensive line. Maybe reinforce that. So yeah, I'm with you. Like, see how it goes this week. See how he responds. But I'd just be inclined to try to rest this thing up as long as as long as possible with Penn State coming up, Michigan State, uh, Purdue, you know, Wisconsin, Purdue. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Ah! And, uh, <laughs> right. Um, uh, so yeah, it's. I don't know. And then just this. I mean, I have a lot of fans asking me, Scott. Last thing, we got to get, we got to move on. But you know. Will Iowa run a sneak? Will Iowa run any bootlegs this week? Is Kirk Kirk Ferentz playing possum there, or is is he really going to be limited, as he says? You know, I think the fact that we're playing guessing games means everybody's playing guessing games. You know, I'm sure John Heacock is saying, does he really mean that? I mean, or is he just playing around? And the question is, we really don't know. Uh, you know, are they going to are they trying to play a head game where it's kind of the other way around? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I think in some respects, he's going to probably, um, you know, whether it's a, a sneak is one thing you kind of have to deal with that when it comes, if you're, if it's fourth and inches, are you going to run a real play or are you going to run a sneak? I think they're probably running sneak, but the bootlegs and the rollouts, those are probably things that are going to be on the, on the skid mark, you know, for, for another week or two. And, um, you know, how much does that limit Brian's play calling? What can that do for the drive for 325? It may impact it, you know, yeah, and, yeah. but winning is the most important thing. And uh, if, and as we saw 24 points last week, that's, uh, that's been on people's minds. And even if it's not on the, the team's mind. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still a proponent for the Deacon Hill QB sneak package, the short yardage package. I know uh, it's probably anti-ference, but Hey, they, they ran something with Sam Laporta last year Mm -hmm. in the bowl game, you know, with him running quarterback. I mean, get creative, man. Get creative, Brian. I mean, I do the wildcat. I do the wildcat. Sure. More than I would a Deacon Hill sneak package. I'd, you know, if that means snap the ball directly to to Caleb Johnson in the shotgun or have him go under center for, for a sneak. I mean, you're always scared about getting the snap, Yeah. but I would do that more than I would put in a, a quarterback who is kind of a lumbering giant, if you will, when he's out there. How about Cooper DeGene at quarterback? Wouldn't that be something? Wildcat? Oh yeah. I'm getting people excited. There'd be T-shirts. He could go <laughs> under center and Cooper DeGene, you know, DeGene uh, it, you know, or something like that. And uh, you're getting too right. deeply plugged. You sold me, man. I want – okay, that's the solution. Short yardage, Cooper DeGene in Wildcat. Yes. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, uh, Scott, let's, uh, let's dig into our main topic today. Uh, but first, I do want to remind you, folks that the nfl regular season starts tonight and circus sports is the exclusive sports betting app of iowa everywhere circus sports is sports wedding the way it sports betting not wedding betting the way it should be with the highest limits lowest holds and the best odds download the app today at app store or circus 
Chiefs versus Lions tonight. Plus four and a half is the line. And uh, Scott, the the circa prop for Sam Laporta is over under 30 and one half receiving yards tonight. I think I would lean under just because rookie tight ends struggle in the uh, NFL, but uh, I bet they want to use him too. And he's going to be on the field a lot. So. Yeah, he's going to start. And so you look at him and um, I remember TJ Hawkinson, you know, set like a r- rookie record for receiving tight ends on his, on his first game with the lions, like 124 yards, you know, what four or five years ago or whatever it was. So can Sam Laporta do that against a, a team that doesn't have Chris Jones? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably take the under two. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott, uh, central topic today is who has the edge on Saturday. We wanted to make this about, the matchup itself, uh, the spread at Circa is Iowa minus four. Over-under is 36 and a half. Uh, I kind of want to start on the defensive side of the ball because that's where the strength of both teams lie. And I want to ask this question to you out of the gate, Scott. Who has the better secondary? Wow, that's a great question right away. I mean, that's really hitting me in the face. Um, <laughs> I I guess I would, I guess I would lean towards – Iowa slightly, but I mean, it's like 51 49. I mean, TJ Tampa is a terrific, uh, you know, quarter. I mean, I thought Jeremiah Cooper had a great game against you and I to obviously two interceptions, a pick six, and was really physical. And, uh, but I also look at Iowa with Cooper DeGene. He's a, he's probably a little bit higher pro prospect. Um, I think Xavier Wampa has got that potential. I like the way, you know, kind of like I like, Miles purchased to an extent, Bo Freiler, but I also like Quinn Schulte and Sebastian Castro as much or more. Deshaun Lee played really well the other day. Can he do it again, you know, against a, a little bit better unit? Um, I, I lean Iowa, but it's like 50-49, 51-49. It's not 60-40 or anything like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I probably would lean Iowa State just slightly just because uh, – just because of that three, three, five track record, at least in this matchup against Iowa. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, you know, Cade McNamara can throw outside one of the, you know, one of the things that didn't occur in the week one game against Utah state was Deontay Vines didn't get any catches. Caleb Brown didn't get any catches. So, you know, does Iowa have the ability to hit some deep shots? They really haven't in this game uh, in recent history. You go back to, you know, 2018, you know, a big one over the middle to Amir Smith-Marset in that game. And then, of course, the Brandon Smith uh, long pass uh, to set up that the only touchdown of that 13-3 to win. So it's been rare that Iowa's gone deep, but I feel like that's going to be an interesting matchup uh, to see if Iowa can do that because I feel like they're going to have to throw the ball at some point. Uh, how about let's move up, f- you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, Scott. Uh, Iowa's D-line, you know, we, we think is going to be a strength all year. However, I feel like there was some concern coming out of the opener that eh, wasn't maybe as good as people expected. Uh, Iowa State uh, breaking in a new D-line, but uh, still looks to be one of the strengths uh, of its team. What do you think on the trenches uh, for for both teams on the defensive side? 
On the defensive side, um, well, I, I, Iowa is clearly the better team there. I mean, I, Iowa State played well, but they replaced the entire front line. There's no MJ Anderson. There's certainly no uh, Will McDonald. I thought they they performed well against UNI, but that's UNI. Um, and I was disappointed in UNI, frankly. I didn't think UNI played nearly as well as I expected them to. And on Theo Day didn't play as well as I expected him to. Iowa you know, people will look and, and maybe be a little bit disappointed in the number of sacks or, or whatever. You're talking about a, a team in Utah State with a really good coach that decided we're not going to try to go against this defensive line. We're not going to win that way. The only way we win is do it with our speed. And they threw a lot of bubble screens. They threw a lot of out routes to try to force the ball in the perimeter. You're not going to get to the quarterback very often that way. And I thought Iowa's pressure was decent to good. Um, got a sack, got one sack. But um, in this matchup, you know, and, and if you filter it on as to who they're competing against, we, me and you and, and the people who cover Iowa have really picked apart a lot of Iowa's offensive woes on the offensive line. But when you look at Iowa State, I, there are more woes on the offensive line and going against a better and more experienced unit for Iowa up front. That to me means Iowa has a clear advantage on its defensive line versus Iowa State's offensive line rather than the other way around where Yes, Iowa had showed a lot of deficiencies and weaknesses the other day, but um, Iowa State's still a pretty new unit up front. I'm interested to see, Scott, the play of Nick Jackson on Saturday because I don't feel like we really got to see the real Nick Jackson. I mean, he was basically in pass coverage. Mm -hmm. Iowa had five-man boxes against Utah yeah. State. And, and uh, you know, to, to Iowa's credit, left Higgins inside to kind of – make all the, the grunt work tackles and, and Jackson was in coverage and did get beat for a 39 yarder in that game. Pretty much the lone real explosive play against the first team defense. But, you know, I felt like Nick kind of unfairly got some criticism from the fans in that first game. And I feel like, I don't know, I kind of feel like this could be a moment for him. We'll see. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I know he, he was successful, at Virginia with some blitzing. Uh, he, he's very capable of blitzing. He's good at weaving through. He's not big, but he can weave through traffic to get to the guy he wants to get to. So I could see, Scott, this is kind of my theory for this game. I could see Phil Parker sending some linebacker blitzes in this game, some Sebastian Castro blitzes. I really loved how he played in the opener to put some pressure on uh, Rocco Becht and potentially J.J. Cole uh, just to to kind of force some issues. I, I only counted a couple blitzes, honestly, against Utah State. I just didn't have time. It was hot. I feel like I feel like Phil's going to be aggressive in this one, and I kind of hope he is, to be honest. Yeah, this is a game where you can do that. You know, I, I think when you look at you have a, a, a guy like, as you said, you know, with, with Nick Jackson, who was able to he played multiple positions, even though he was more of a middle backer, but he did play on the side and he did a lot of things. And this is a more traditional type of um, you know, team you're playing that likes to run downhill once in a while or in a lot at the time, actually. And then that has a, a more traditional passing game that, yeah, you can blitz, you can play, you know, your, you know, your four two five to effectiveness. And then I think they have enough players in the secondary to where they can play man defense uh, quite a bit. Now that you could get exposed with Jalen Noel against Deshaun Lee, if you, if he doesn't play well, but Overall, 
you know, this is a, a situation where you can play more what you want to play. Because last week, as you said, they were playing more of a of a dying type of scenario, but they were still using Nick Jackson and more of a safety type coverage. I mean, he's the will backer, so he's he's in coverage a lot. That doesn't allow him to have a lot of tackles or, or making a lot of plays, and then it allows him the opportunity to get burned. So I think in this case, um, you can use him to blitz, force the action. Rocco Becht was was pretty clean last week. He, he was efficient at 10 of, six, 10 of 13 for Iowa State. And I think, uh, you know, J.J. Cole uh, didn't have a lot of yards. He had more completions than yards, which is kind of funny, you know, four or five. But uh, And they tried to hit the tight ends and um, and not so much the receivers, kind of like Iowa, but I, they didn't really have a lot of explosive plays there. And Iowa State ran the fewest plays in the country last week, and now they're playing against – I think we can agree, Chad, that Iowa has a better defense than you and I. So um, yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good <laughs> starting point. So I, I think Iowa can do a lot of different things here. Yeah. Uh, very, very curious to see. And Iowa has had really, I mean, even last year in that 10, seven game, the Iowa defense was great except for one drive. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, really, I mean, Iowa should have a seven game Cyhawk winning streak, to be honest. I mean, they were the better team last year and just, uh, you know, had a guy slip at the three and fumbled at the one and, just just wasn't their their game uh yeah. last year uh let's before we get to offense because obviously that's going to be a big topic special teams i mean iowa state looks like it's that's always been a hindrance i feel like for the cyclones i mean you just you can just envision that that punt off uh who was it michael sleep dalton punted it right and then uh after yeah. Iowa, you know couldn't milk the clock and and uh terry was terry roberts recovered right the Terry Roberts yeah, yeah, it was Terry, yeah, yeah, it was Devonte Young, I think. With yeah, the, that's right. Yeah, one of them had maybe Young hit. recovered it, and Roberts he, made the play. But anyway, yeah, Roberts hit the hit yeah. the blocker who hit the the yeah, returner. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, but the Iowa State's come a long way. They now have a special teams coordinator. They have a kicker, Chase Contreras, who uh, made a fifty-six yarder uh, the mm-hmm. other day. Yeah, field goal. and uh, Jalen Knoll had a long punt return, and then uh, their punter. Their punter averaging more than Tory Taylor yeah. uh, so far, fifty three point six yards per punt. So, special teams, uh, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I feel like Iowa State's narrowed that gap a little bit. But I would still give the edge to Iowa. Iowa has the proven track record in this area. Um, I thought Tyler Perkins was tremendous the other day for the Cyclones. Had a seventy yarder, fifty three, you know, yards per punt. I thought. You know, Tory had a good game other than the block punt, you know, which really wasn't his fault. That was the upbacks. I don't know what they were doing getting split. That was so there. weird. Yeah. It was like, uh, do you know how to play football? I mean, at that <laughs> regard, stood that's there. Yeah, just stood like there stood. and let him go. And yeah, against the guy who already had three. And and I let our draft analysts know about him already. I'm like, uh, I told Dane Brugler, I'm like, you might want to watch this guy. I'm not saying he's going to be a first round talent or anything, but Ike Larson's. Uh, yeah, he was good. I, I, people are going to look for, but, but, you know, and then you look at, you know, Contreras had a, you know, 56 yard field goal, just, uh, you know, one of the better <laughs> efforts you, you've seen, but Iowa will present a little bit more resistance, I think in that area. And Drew Stevens has a track record. You know, he was uh, last year, he was 16 of 18, only two misses. And that was in, in 40 plus range. So, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be interested to see how Iowa State can kind of uh, they've had good returners, but they haven't really had great special teams. 
So if they can make that a net neutral, meaning that Tory Taylor, I mean, who had an, uh, one of the best punting performances I've ever seen two years ago, if they can yeah. negate his, uh, you know, punting prowess, and if they're equal in, in the kicking realm and in the coverage realm, that's going to give them a lot of confidence because if there's a turnover or if there's field position issues, you know, again, if, if, if Tory Taylor is pinning them down inside the 10, without with unless there's a breakdown they're not going to be able to drive 90 yards on this team you know they did last year once and you got to remember they had several players who aren't there for various reasons Xavier Hutchinson's in the NFL you know and then the, the quarterback of course is uh pleaded guilty yesterday to gambling well let's uh let's flip to offense now Scott uh Iowa State's going to try to run the ball I think we you know, they're not going to put this game on their quarterback's shoulder, I don't think. <laughs> no. uh, the question is, how does Iowa approach the run? Do they, you know, Iowa likes to try to stop the run with seven. And they like to keep their their secondary free. Can they do that without Noah Shannon? That's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a notable loss, you know, to not to have Noah Shannon in that run defense. Uh, Iowa's going to try to stop that run how, how will they be successful against cartavius norton uh, abu sama had a great first game uh, looks like the part uh for the cyclone so i i guess from an offensive perspective i expect iowa state to stick to the run as much as it can uh just so that it doesn't have to I, mean, I, I just don't think you want to take shots at iowa secondary with with wampa and DeGene back there and frankly i thought deshaun lee played well so if you're iowa state what is it what is your game plan you have to stick to the run. It's not going to work, but you have to stick to it because you have to make them respect it. I don't. I don't see Iowa at all uh, going from um, changing its style up front. I think they're going to go four two five. I mean, last week they didn't play a single snap of four three, and and I in this game they might play a few if they get in a third and short or you know a, a goal line situation they might go into that uh, a little bit, but they didn't have to and they don't really need to in this one either. Um, you know, you got a, a center uh, that, that made his first start last week at a left tackle making his first start. Neither one of them played, I would say, great for, for Iowa State. They played okay uh, against a defense that was overmatched. Uh, they're going to play against some really, really, really good players, uh, you know, in Iowa's situation. So I think Iowa can control the line of scrimmage, but Iowa State, even if they only get 62 yards rushing against Iowa uh, because of the way they play, they're going to have to stay with it. They're just going to have to continue to force Iowa to respect it so then they can play action fake, get the ball to Easton Dean or, or one of their tight ends, um, maybe once in a while get the ball to Jalen Noel because if they just try to drop back, Iowa's pass rush is going to get to them. They're going to force young players to make bad mistakes, and it could go really sideways very, very quickly for Iowa State. So they're going to try to run. It's not going to be pretty but they're going to have to do it just to, to, to kind of the way Iowa does it, complimentary football, keep its defense off the field for a while. Yeah, they've, I mean, they've got the potential for some explosive plays in the run game, so it's, uh, it is going to be incumbent on uh, those D tackles to absorb you know, more than one guy if they can so they can free up Higgins, um, Jackson, and, and Castro to make some – some tackles um, obviously got to hold the edge. We haven't seen, you know, they lost John Wagner. They lost Lucas Van Ness. I mean, uh, Noah Shannon's not back. So, I mean, I, I believe in Iowa's defensive line, but, you know, 
new guys out there. Deontay Craig, you know, Joe Evans is is more of a pass rusher, and uh, you know, Max Llewellyn, Ethan Herkett, you know, still pretty new in terms of experience. So uh, those are important spots. And now the big question, Scott, is well, how does Iowa move the football? Um, I've, I think you've got to find a way to run the ball. I know the run did not look good last week. Do you put they've gone fullback a lot to try to run at this 3-3-5. Iowa has has averaged what I think they've had 342 yards in the last two seasons against Iowa State total. Uh which is horrible. <laughs> Under 200 both games, 150 last year. How do you solve this defense especially with, you know, the embattled offense? Uh, I don't know. Like, where does Iowa find success? I guess I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, they haven't had much success, as we know, in the last couple of years. And But I will say that this year's offense seems to have more potential than, it, than it's had last two years. Not three years, but two years. Last year, for sure. Um, they had, remember, last year they had no wide receivers except for Arlen Bruce, who stumbled at the three-yard line. Um, when he was wide open for a touchdown that would have made it 14 to three. And I think put the game out of reach um, this year, they have five, I think that are capable. And I think Caitlin, uh, Caden Weijin played really well the other day. They also have, you know, Sam Laporta was out of position a lot of times trying to play X and it really negated a lot of his strengths, even though that was, he was the best position, person for that job. Now you have a ton of tight ends and they've played 14 personnel, uh, you know, which is amazing. So uh, I, I don't see them going fullback as much as offset tight end. Like Eric you go thir- Do you think 13 is a possibility? 13 oh, personnel? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They've been talking up Estranga so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Stilianos if you want to, yeah. you know, you know, as being a more of a blocking type of tight sure. end. Yeah. And uh, or, you know, have Eric all come out of the backfield as kind of an offset fullback. But it, the NFL does that a lot. It only half to a third of the teams actually have real fullbacks that a lot of times they, if they need that, they have a tight end play that position. So Iowa has to establish the run, Chad. They have to in this game and they have to in every game. And last week they ran a lot of counter. They ran a lot of gap. They ran, they did some things, polling guys doing things differently, which I'm all in favor of, except they were missing their blocks almost every damn time they did it. So I think in this case, do you go back to the old tried and true inside outside zone? No. And reason why is because you're that your reliance upon in a three, three, you know, frame, you you rely heavily on cut blocks and they're going to get called for it. So I think you still try to do that if they can. And if Caleb Johnson has any space, he's going to be effective. But I think this is one where you might have a similar output that you did last week. It's going to be a grind, man. Uh, it could be a quick game if both teams try to run the ball a lot, especially yeah. with the new clock rules. Not that there's going to be a lot of first downs anyway, but um, yeah, I don't expect either team to be gunning it a ton. Just very interested to see how Brian Ferentz approaches this game. I mean, such a high-profile spot here. And I was got, you know, I was got Caleb Johnson, so you, you got to get him going. Mm-hmm. And I felt like – I felt like losing LeSean Williams in the second half with the heat-related stuff last week probably hurt Iowa just a little bit, just that veteran presence in the backfield, a guy you can count on to maybe get you some tough yards. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see it, Scott. I, I like the idea of 
three tight end sets and and go with that and um you know one receiver maybe and try to strike strike some big plays i do think it's worth taking shots though because i think you've got Caleb, I mean, Caleb brown just kind of missed it uh kind of a lousy stop and go route i think he was just too late trying it uh but he's got wheels like you said weechin's got wheels uh deontay vines i mean just seems like uh, he's ready to break out. And then you got, you know, Mr. Reliable, uh, Reggie And uh, obviously Seth Anderson was probably the, the highlight of that group last week. So anyway, can't wait. Uh, I picked Iowa 2013. Did you make a pick yet? I'm going to go Iowa 17 to 6. Ooh, defense. Yeah, yeah, big time defensive game. I, I just, with Iowa State, I just don't know how many drives they can do against this Iowa defense. You know, if, if Iowa has a fumble or a turnover or a block punt, yeah, they can score from there. But if they're going to have to go 70 plus yards, I can only see them doing it once or twice at total. They're just, this defense is good and their offense is not as good as it was last year. So it may get there in time, but at this point in the season, I have much more faith that Iowa can get two to three scoring drives versus Iowa state getting one to two. All right, man. We'll see how it plays out Saturday. We got a couple more uh, brief topics to hit on as we as we exit episode four of Legends and Listeners from the Channel Seed Studios. Scott uh, Kirk Ferentz, one hundred ninety nine Division One wins as a head coach, twelve of them at Maine, one hundred eighty seven <laughs> Iowa City. Uh, I kind of wrote this. Uh, well, it hasn't been published yet, but just to, I feel like it would be fitting to get number 200 against the team that he went, he started his career at Iowa 0-4 against. Uh, what sticks out to you as Kirk Ferentz goes for number 200 on Saturday? Yeah, I wrote a, a piece today about that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, he's got a different personality and vibe than most of the coaches that are in that. You know, there's there's some who, who are kind of generals and, and Kirk's humility and I think in his approach to adversity, are, it really stands out to me as far as how he's gotten to this point because he's willing to accept responsibility, which some coaches are not, and he's willing to listen and make changes when appropriate, not necessarily with us but and not with his offense as much, but he is very stubborn there. But I think the, the ability to react to situations and handle adversity I think if there is no better coach that I've seen handle adversity and adverse situations and respond and respond favorably than Kirk Ferentz. And we can go back every single year. There's those moments, those crossroad moments. And last year is as vivid as anything after Columbus and yet to come out and win five of the last six with a team that had the worst offense I've ever seen, you know, speaks to, him, his captains, but it's it's his leadership. So overall, uh, to get win number two hundred at Iowa State, a, a big rival that you know there was a lot of pressure on him to finally win that game in two thousand three, would, would speak volumes. Maybe we'll see emotional Kirk if he, if he gets that seventeen to six win <laughs> as you forecasted on Saturday. Um, yeah, good good stuff there. Um, yeah, I feel like. Uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive that they've won five straight times in Ames. I mean, that's that is tough to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Big Twelve teams uh, have not had much success in Jack Trice, so Kirk has found a way, and uh, I do expect him to find a way this week. But I think it's going to be it's going to be tense. It's going to be uh, tough. Uh, Big Ten uh, this week, Scott. Uh, some interesting 
games on the card. Uh, no more interesting to me than uh, Nebraska, Colorado. How about that? We got to get in the press box early to beat the motorcades, uh, <laughs> to beat the chaos. Uh, 11 o'clock, big noon game on Fox. Um, Bill, I wrote this in my preview. Bill Connolly's SP Plus has Nebraska winning by eight. Yet the at all the public money, all the money is going towards Colorado after what they did at TCU. So that's the fascinating matchup to me. I'm gonna. I know I I missed it completely. I whiffed on Northwestern last week against Rutgers. But I'm, I kind of think I kind of think Nebraska wins this game. I, I know I'm probably crazy, but I, I'm gonna go with the Huskers. I in a one score game in a one yeah. score game. How about that? <laughs> one score game at, um, at Colorado, huh? It, it, what's awesome about this is a couple of years ago when this game was all scheduled, it was like, hey, two old rivals hooking up early in the air and playing and having fun. Well, now you've got one of the most interesting games of the not only the, the weekend, but of the early month because of what Dion was able to do in week one against TCU and Travis Hunter and all that. But I, I look at Nebraska and I don't think they're that bad. I think they actually are decent defensively, you know, offensively. They they played exactly the way they have you know in the last 10 years, which is they found a way to lose. But, but I do think they they pull this one out. I agree. I picked them to win myself. So, uh, you know, uh, three and a half. And, you know, it was an eight. Uh, what, what he could go, you know, before Colorado won, it was going to be Nebraska minus eight. Now it's Colorado minus three and a half. All eyes are on Dion and what he's able to do. But this would uh, this would either ratchet up that interest uh, to infinity and beyond, or it would pop the balloon for a little while. And I think Nebraska wins and because uh, you know what it does though, Chad, if, if Nebraska loses and they start going two and they lose to Colorado, Minnesota, it ends the honeymoon very, very quickly for Matt rule yeah. because people are going to look over and say, Dion did all this. Why can't you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I think Matt rules great hire, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. I think he thought he was, it was an automatic win here. Um, before now it's going to be interesting and i i you think uh kirk ferentz would ever you know point out in a press conference do you believe do you believe no. <laughs> like Dion did with ed no. warrior, yeah. ed warrior the other day. uh so just a different dynamic and it's, yeah. i'm here i'm here for the entertainment uh, and then of course our, our game iowa state you know might be the best big 10 game on the schedule this week uh but i'm super interested after we're done to, to see how Wisconsin does at Wazoo, uh, I, I think I feel like it was kind of an underwhelming. I feel like Wisconsin and I were in the same boat, kind of like wanted to see more in the openers, but kind of got the job done and now get kind of that road game litmus test against a team that maybe looked better than people expected in week one. What do you think about Wisconsin? Well, they lost to Wazoo last year at home, and I think that was probably what started the slope for for Paul Christ getting forced out, whose son, by the way, is an analyst in Iowa, Kellen, Kellen Christ. But I, I think uh, I saw enough in the second half of Wisconsin to think that, all right, I think this team is is probably starting to build in the right direction. You know, it was an early game it was against Buffalo. I'm not going to put too much into it, but going on the road to Wazoo in their last year of being a power five team. Um, I do think that Wisconsin pulls out a win, but you know, it's got some challenges. It's a weird place. It's a tough location to get to, um, you know, and then they've had success against Wisconsin, but I, I think the Badgers are, a little bit better and I'll be interested to see how they handle Braylon Allen because I think he's a type of running back you want to give him the ball and uh you know how does that how does that mesh with their offense yeah I've got Wisconsin covering the six uh 
last thing, Scott, what are you working on for the athletic? Anything you want to, you want to shoot out there? You know, today I decided to go all in on the Kirk, uh, you know, 199 slash 200. And, and so I wrote about, you know, whether or not he's a hall of famer because he still does not reach that threshold of 60% winning percentage. However, when you look, there are 27 other coaches in the hall of fame who have not hit that, including Hayden Fry, um, you know, is it an arbitrary line? And, and so I have a lot of people talking about Kirk in his career and, and it's not hard to do. People love to talk about Kirk, but then I also threw in as kind of a sidebar the all ference team and the top 10 wins of his career so uh there's a lot of out yeah there's a lot of discussion there i'm sure people are kind of like what but uh it was a lot of fun to put together and you know to have it on cyhawk week is an added bonus so chad what do you got coming up yeah yeah i I should have mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the run game but uh the 14 of the last, I wrote an article that posted today that Fort at Hawk Central, the 14 of the last 15 Cyhawk meetings, the winner has had the most rushing attempts. So uh, that is a uh, a good reminder for Brian Ferentz to stick to the run. And I think Iowa State will too. So uh, super. I just love talking about the matchup itself. So I'm glad we could do this today, Scott. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, on this platform. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, Chad. It's always a it's always a good time. And, um, you know, I think we can both talking a little bit about the Cyhawk for a second. It's it's always a good week, a fun week. I think everybody gets energized by it. But I always say because of the intensity of it, happiness is Jack Trice slash Kinnick Stadium in my rearview mirror <laughs> when it's over with. Oh, man. Uh, Agree 100%. All right. Thanks, Scott. And thank you, listeners, for making Legends and Listeners an early hit on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Join us next Thursday at 11 a.m. from these Channel Seed Studios. For Scott Docterman, this is Chad Leistico reminding you to stay Iowa nice and enjoy the game on Saturday. Talk to you next week here on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa everywhere.